0: Perfect then so we are rolling ladies and gentlemen boys and girls this is Ravi Dabiru here and today I have a very wonderful guest with me in this uh, next 60 to 90 minutes of podcast that we are going to interview Jeff Sands who is uh, Jeff Sands, right? Did I get the name right?
1: No, it's actually so Sands is my Facebook name Ah. because I. It's a long story. (laughs) My real name is is Sankov. Jeff Sankov.
0: Jeff Sankov. Okay. All right. (laughs) So yeah. So we'll get into that story in a while. Uh, However, Jeff is with us, and Jeff has been a physician for over over three decades right now. Jeff, am I right? Uh,
1: yeah, but, but getting up to three decades, yeah, 25 he, years anyways.
0: Ooh, yeah. that, that, that's huge. And uh, he's been into triathlons over two decades and has uh, done over 100 Ironman plus 70.3s combined, participated in multiple world championships in his age category. So I'm super excited to dive deep into this con- conversation. Welcome to the show, Jeff.
1: Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be here.
0: Awesome. So, uh, Jeff, let's go back uh, to your childhood, you know, when you were growing up. What was, uh, did you ever dreamt of being a triathlete or a physician? So if not, while growing up, you know, probably in your teens, how did it shape up your personality to what you are today?
1: Uh, wow, that's uh, that's really
0: going all the way back. Uh,
1: I grew up in, in Montreal in Canada. so. My childhood was spent watching and playing hockey, and that was what I did Uh, during the winters. (laughs) It was brutally cold, and I would go home from school, and my brothers and I, we would uh, bundle ourselves up, and we would get our skates and our hockey stick, and we would Walk about a mile to get to the local hockey rink and we would play outside until we were so cold, our hands and our feet were freezing. And then we would uh, have to walk home in the dark to have dinner and get warmed up and do our homework. And then the next day we would repeat the whole process again. And so I have very, very fond memories of uh, just playing endless amounts of hockey outdoors and then eventually when uh, rinks got built where I lived, that's how old I was, uh, where I lived we didn't have indoor rinks and then eventually we had indoor rinks and I got to play indoor hockey and I, I played most of my life, uh, even into adulthood I was playing and uh, actually what I, triathlon was something I never heard of. I was, uh, I was interested in cycling. Uh, I used to watch the Tour de France on television and that was something that uh, definitely piqued my curiosity. I used to ride a you know nothing special bike but uh, i used to i could i could remember imagining that i was riding in the alps and (laughs) pretending i was a a professional cyclist but i never rode in any uh, meaningful way and i was certainly never a runner and i never really swam so triathlon was not something i had ever heard of it wasn't something i i ever thought about and it was only after i had moved uh, to Denver, Colorado. Actually, that's not true. I was still in Montreal. It was just before I moved to Denver, Colorado. I was finishing up my medical training. I was uh, in my mid 30s and I was uh, very much out of shape, very much overweight. And I realized that uh, I was going to finish my training and have a lot of free time. And I kind of had one of those moments where it was get busy living or get busy dying. and uh somebody i i realized i have a family history of heart disease and uh i i you know i didn't i was on a trajectory that if i continued being sedentary and not eating well and it wasn't going to end well for me so i made a decision that i was going to try and get in shape and over the course of the next few months, I did. I started to lose weight. I started to get in shape. And then a work colleague of mine asked me, she noticed, and she said, what are you doing to get in shape? And she said, you know, you, you might be interested in, in trying a triathlon. And I, I I scoffed at that because I said, oh, uh the only triathlon I had heard of at that point was uh, Ironman in Hawaii because that was something that was broadcast on TV once a month and or once a year. And I was like, oh, gosh, no, I have no interest in doing that <laughs> kind of craziness. And she, uh, over the next little while, explained to me, no, no, triathlon is much more than just the Ironman. And she sort of explained how there are different distances and all of these other things. And I said, well, it all sounds great, except I honestly do not know how to swim. <laughs> And uh, she said, well, you can learn how to swim. And, <laughs> well, over the course of a little while, she got me very interested and excited about the whole prospect. And I, I went home to my wife, who had not been at this conversation. And I, I said to her, you know, I, I'm thinking about doing a triathlon. And, and her response was to just laugh. Uh, and she just <laughs> laughed at me because, uh, you know, in her defense, the idea was outrageous and pretty hilarious. And so I just said, well, if that's your response, then, you know, I'm no longer thinking about this, I'm going to do this. And so I went out and I hired somebody to teach me how to swim. And I spent the next year, just dedicated to one purpose, learning how to swim, figuring out how to ride a bike and run and be able to do a triathlon. And that was over 20 years ago, and I've never looked back.
0: Wow, that, that, that that's so exciting, right from, yeah, you know, skating in the ice-cold weather of Montreal to coming back Realizing after your med school that you would want to get back into shape and taking triathlon as The chosen path is, is, is quite something, isn't it? So looking back at all those years uh, um, Do you think it was the right decision?
1: Oh Absolutely, triathlon. I say all the time triathlon changed my life and I I, I 100% mean that it's it's made me it's made me a totally different person. I'm much, I'm much healthier. I'm much, uh, I, I mean, it's given me so much triathlon. I mean, you go through so much to complete a triathlon. You, you have to learn to overcome, to persevere, to adapt, to, to, to learn all kinds of new things. And, and, uh, Yeah, all the time I'm faced with similar kinds of dilemmas in my day-to-day life, uh, Mm -hmm. difficult decisions I have to make, things I have to to work hard to get through, and triathlon has informed so much. And now as a father with my kids, my kids see me as a role model because they see how hard I work on the days that I don't feel like training because I'm tired or I don't feel well. They see that I still go down to the basement and I still do my training because it's something that's very important to me. And it's become very much a part of who I am. And it's a big part of my life. And and it's it's something I, uh, I, I'm i just so grateful that I found and, and grateful that I, I, I've stuck with it. And I've become good at it, and it's something that, I, that, that now I, I, I see as a challenge to, to continue to improve and to continue to, to find ways to be better at.
0: Wow. And, and uh, in, in this journey over the last uh, two decades, what are, the, what are some of the changes that you have noticed in the sport per se?
1: Well, there's been a lot of changes. Uh, I I would say some good, some not so good. I'd say the biggest change for me, the biggest thing that that I see is the dominance of the World Triathlon Corporation, Ironman, Mm -hmm. and how that has displaced other race types and other race organizations. And some of that is good. Uh, There's no question uh, when you sign up for a WTC or an Ironman branded event, you know what you're getting. You, you know that you're going to get a very high-quality event that is very well organized, that is put together exceptionally well, that is going to deliver an excellent product. And, and when you go to one of these events, I always know that I'm going to have a, a really well-designed course, that I'm going to feel safe and secure pretty much all the time, and that I, I'm going to have a, a very good time you know challenging myself to to compete through this. And that's great. The downside to that is triathlon has become very much for a lot of people uh, you know they they feel like the only thing about triathlon is they have to do an Ironman, and I don't mean a seventy point three. I mean a full Ironman. And they go out and they they I I you know I coach now, and I get a lot of athletes that come to me and they've never done a triathlon before, and they want immediately that I'm I I have this on my bucket list. I want to do an Ironman, and they just want to sign up for that Ironman, train for six months to a year, do the Ironman, and then they're done. Yeah, okay. And I think that's really unfortunate because, in you know, when I came into the sport, the reason I think I've had so much longevity in the sport is because there was so much more opportunity to do sprints and Olympic distance and all kinds of different things. We're, we're starting to see a little bit of a resurgence of that now. Yeah. Uh, I see a lot more locally. There's gravel triathlons. There's aquabikes. There there are some more events that are coming out, but it's not nearly as much as it once was. Uh, the other thing that I've seen is just the cost of entry. Uh, the co- And I don't mean just, I, although the cost to sign up for a race has become a lot higher, but it's also just the cost of participation. Uh, it, it just, it, it used to be you could just show up on any kind of bike uh, you could rent a cheap wetsuit or, or buy a cheap wetsuit. You didn't need to, to lay out a whole bunch of money. And unfortunately now the barrier uh, for entry is, is very prohibitive and triathlon is shutting out a lot of people of lower income of middle income because it, it just becomes so prohibitively expensive to participate. And I, I see that as not really a good thing because it, it makes the sport more exclusive. And I, I believe that the way for this sport to thrive is if it's more inclusive.
0: Wow. Absolutely right. So I, I guess that's one of the concerns that, um, you know, I was talking to a couple of my friends the other day in terms of how expensive has it become. And uh, uh, yeah, the larger the community which thrives on something like endurance, putting all the three disciplines together, I guess the, the domino effect of, uh, of that, it's just beautiful. Um, I mean you have been in the sport for 20 years and, and I understand uh, the kind of uh, uh, you know they, they must have been definitely hard days where you realized okay today I'm not going to uh, go for my train training or participate in an event but by the sheer volume of doing such things for an extended period of time is going to have a huge humongous impact on the community and that's one thing uh, for sure if if they if the barriers come down uh, it's going to be beautiful
1: yeah i think that running events are a great example of how they speak to a large community so we have here in north america there's there's something going on almost every weekend 5k's 10k's half marathons Full marathons. And the reason for that is because they don't cost very much to put on and they don't cost very much for individuals to participate in because you don't need a whole lot of equipment. Right. But once you start stepping up to triathlon, I've always said that completing a triathlon just feels so much more rewarding than completing any kind of running event because uh, putting together those three disciplines just gives you this sense of reward that's just so much greater than just completing any kind of distance on a run. And... The issue is, is that not everybody is going to go and do a triathlon because, number one, the swim—the swim—is is something that puts off a lot of people and scares a lot of people. But also, just again, because the the cost of entry. And I, I don't have a real solution for that. Uh, I, I don't have a way of making bicycles less expensive uh, or more accessible. But uh, it's just a it's a reality of our sport, and I, I hope that uh, it will it will become less of a barrier in the
0: future. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, Um, as as technology progresses, hopefully let's see if there's some breakthrough coming in and it becoming more accessible. Probably 10 years down the line when we catch up, it must have been. You never know how technology uh, can go which way. Now, uh, Coach, coming back to, uh, uh, you know, uh, in India, uh, particularly, you know, triathlon has just taken off its, it's probably one of the newest countries on the block where uh, you know triathlon as a as a sport has taken off and uh, so in in a, in a few months from now, i think exactly in about six seven weeks from now we have uh, the iron man 70.3 happening in goa so a lot of uh, our listeners are you know the first timers majority of them are just into first or second race now for first timers for people who have never participated and are ready to do so right now what are some of the uh, mistakes that people tend to do and uh, what would you advise you know from from a, from a coach perspective
1: uh, one of the biggest mistakes that I see in newbies, which is what we call sort of first-timers, uh, one of the mistakes that I see newbies do in, when they get into the sport is they overspend. Okay. Uh, we, I, I just finished talking about how expensive it is to get into triathlon, and I, I, I often encounter newer athletes that go out and try to buy the shiniest, best, most expensive stuff, believing that if it's because, the uh, you know, the pros are riding this kind of bike. I have to be riding this kind of bike, or uh, oh, I see, I see fast people on these kinds of wheels. Therefore, I have to have these kind of wheels. And what I try to emphasize to all of my athletes is, it's very hard to buy speed. And really, the most important thing you can do is actually spend as much money and energy on making yourself better and as little as possible on your equipment, at least when you start, because when you're first getting it, when you're going to get to your first race, you don't even know if you're gonna like this sport. So there's no sense in going out and sh- and spending all of this money on all of this fancy gear only to find out after your first race, oh wow, I really didn't enjoy that now I have to get rid of it all. I think the the one of the most important things I could convey to people is set yourself a, a, a realistic budget and and don't exceed it. don't don't buy into the hype. and there is a lot of hype in the marketing of equipment for triathlon. That's number one. The second thing is it's very easy to get caught up in looking at the distances and thinking, oh, I know how long it's going to take me to do this swim. I know how long it's going to take me to do this bike. I know how long it's going to take me to just run. And so you start fixating on a time and you start thinking, oh, it's going to take me this much time to do this race. And I'm going to do this race in this much time. And people do not appreciate the true difficulty of triathlon is not doing the individual events, but it's doing the events in sequence. Uh, Swimming is... Let's face it, swimming 1,900 meters is of, in and of itself a bit of a challenge. But when you have to then finish swimming 1,900 meters and uh, all of a sudden jump on a bike and swim 90 kilometers, uh, sorry, bike 90 kilometers, uh, that swim suddenly becomes a lot more difficult. And that bike, you know, biking 90K is, is already a challenge. But when you have to do it after first swimming 1,900 meters, suddenly that's not just a 90K bike anymore. People people don't mm. appreciate how difficult a triathlon truly is until they actually get into it. And so I always tell people, especially for their first event, don't have any goal other than just finishing and enjoying the day. Just enjoy yourself, soak it all in, and, and celebrate yourself as you're doing it. Celebrate the fact that, hey, I'm doing this thing. This is amazing. And once you finish, once you've had a chance to get through it and cross that finish line, then... You could sit there and then you could spend all the time in the world dissecting all of the ways you can go faster next time. And next time, you can do your best to go a little bit faster. But for that first time, don't set expectations. Don't set time goals. Just enjoy the day. Wow.
0: That, that's so powerful. I think uh, somehow we get caught into the numbers. Um, it, it, there's so much of information over there in terms of what the pros are doing and uh, subconsciously it just gets on to us okay i'm going to do in this time i'm going to do in this time and probably the race day it's going to be uh, a different ball game altogether and also as you have clearly mentioned that the weight of swimming you know post the swim it's just going to accentuate what the bike is going to be suddenly uh, uh, you know i remember in my training you know after i swam and then i started writing I was like what the hell is this why am I unable to uh you know push forward and I, I I get it uh you know it's it's about the mindset of uh you know let me just be grateful for it put all of these three disciplines together and uh, get to the gate well that, that, that that's so well said and it's a beautiful reminder that uh to enjoy the moment at least the first one and then go back understand whether this port is for you or not and then plan even when it comes to buying expensive gear you know it can all be staggered rather than uh, you know just going all in for the hype
1: Yeah, and I want to be clear, I think this sport is for everybody. And I think that anybody who approaches the sport with the right mindset is going to come out of their first race and say, wow, I really love that. The people who come out of the first triathlon and don't enjoy it are the people who spent all this money, who went in with unrealistic expectations, and then Realize as they're doing it, how much harder it is than they thought. And then they finish and they're just down on themselves and they, they just can't believe like, why aren't, why wasn't I faster? And why are all these people passing me? And so they just get upset Mm -hmm. rather than just going into it recognizing that they don't really know what to expect and recognizing that, Hey, this is really hard. And if they go into it and just enjoy themselves and just allow themselves, yes, listen, it's still a race. You can approach it as a race. You can give it your hundred percent and, and give it your best. But if you go into it without expecting to win or out expecting anything, really, except to finish, I think you'll enjoy it a lot
0: more. Wow. Wow. And and also on the race day, you spoke about the mindset. Can you, give a little more uh, you know insights into what kind of mindset that uh, you know actually helps even just before the race you know priming the mind so so how does it uh, any insights on that dog
1: well i tell my athletes all the time to start using visualization during their training so i think it's really an important tool so where i have my athletes when they're swimming and i have my athletes swim a lot because even though the swim is the shortest part of the race, mm-hmm. if you can have a good swim, then you set yourself up for the rest of the day. So being able to swim well, being fit for the swim, will set you up for the best possible overall day. So I have my athletes swim a lot, and I always tell them, hey, when you're swimming and you're feeling tired, at uh, you know, you're in 2,000, 2,500 meters into your 3,500 meter swim, and you're feeling tired, I want you to picture yourself on the course and picture yourself sighting towards the finish and imagine how it's going to feel and imagine how you're going to uh, react in that situation. And using that kind of technique can be really, really helpful to powering through a workout. Similarly, I tell them if they tell me, Hey, that bike workout you gave me today was really hard. I was so tired at the end. I tell them, I say, good, put that in the bank. Remember how you felt because then when you're on the race day, There is going to come a time when you're going to feel really tired and you're going to question whether or not you can make it. I want you to go back to that workout you just completed and remind yourself, I did this really hard workout and I was really tired and I finished it just like I'm going to be able to finish this bike on the, on the race day. So I feel like visualization is a really, really helpful tool, and it's very helpful on race morning. Uh, n- race nerves are very common and very normal. It's normal to feel nervous before you race, but I find that when I get to the race venue, if I've kind of thought out every possibility that I can imagine, so I tell my athletes, I want you to imagine you're in the swim. Somebody knocks off your goggles. What are you going to do? You're in the swim, and you suddenly have a panic attack. What are you going to do? Uh, you're in the swim. You get stung by a jellyfish. What do you got? We we run through all of these different scenarios, so that <clears throat> excuse me, so that they can anticipate how they're going to react, and so that way, when they get to the race morning, they've already considered all of these things, and they don't. They have less to be worried about because they already have a mindset that is prepared to adapt, is prepared to react. And now they can just sit there and just listen to the pumping up music that's going on. And they can just close their eyes and just visualize what it's going to feel like. Once they get in the water, they can start thinking about that first hundred meters of swimming. And more importantly, they can start thinking about what it's going to feel like when they finish, because that's what they're there for. All the work you do in a triathlon is to get you to the start the, everything you do on race day is gravy because you've done everything. Once you get to the start line, you're done. Your training is done. Now it's just a matter of executing your training to get to
0: the finish. Wow. Wow. That, that, that's so well said about visualization. And uh, probably what I really loved is picking up to those scenarios. What can happen? Uh, it's a jelly bite or somebody just slapping across and uh, uh, prepping your mind or priming your mind so that uh, you know we already live through that understand probably how to react and not get into the zone of panic which most probably again um, since uh, you know newbies would be having these jitters around and once we visualize and understand it's it's you know we're just gonna set our sights in and then go in and enjoy what's gonna happen at the end of the finish line that's a very powerful tool thanks for uh, sh- sharing that and and also going a little into technicalities you know swim as you mentioned is one of the biggest thing that plays in everybody's uh, you know mind and uh, yeah, any uh, from your experience of seeing people through the swim segment or section How do you, what are some of the things that you would want people to be cognizant of?
1: Most of the time what happens is people get to the swim start in the morning and they look out at the buoys and they see how far it is and they immediately kind of panic because it looks really far. Uh, You know, depending on the layout of the course, if it's one of those, you know, swim out and then turn and then swim a little ways and then turn to come back, it could be as far as 800 meters or so before the turn. And when you're used to swimming in a 25 or 50 meter pool, to suddenly see 800 meters laid out in front of you can just seem very overwhelming. Mm. And so I remind my athletes all the time, and I tell them this before they go to the race, I'm like, look, you have been swimming sets of uh, your swim sets are 2,500, 3,500 meters. So this is going to be peanuts for you. Do not get psyched out by your eyes. Don't let your eyes psych you out. Just let your mind remind you what you're capable of. And instead, when you get in the water, you're just going to focus on one yellow buoy at a time. That's all you're going to do. You're not even going to count the buoys. You're just going to watch the buoys come closer and pass by. And every buoy that you pass is 100 meters. So you just keep, you just keep focusing on one yellow buoy at a time. And before you know it, the swim is over. So I use compartmentalization and segmentation of the race course frequently. I do that for the for the swim, the bike, and the run. But I find it's 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 most helpful for the swim and the run sections because those are the ones that I think can play with your mind the most. And the swim can do so just because you see it. And, and you see how far it is and it it kind of plays tricks on you. So I just tell people just one buoy at a time. And before you know it, you're done.
0: Well, that, that really helps. As you were sharing it, I'm getting a little jitters. You know, I know I've been in a 20 or a 25 meter pool, and 85 meters, I was just 850 meters. But I'm calculated, oh gosh, it's going to be like 40 times more than what I see in the pool, and I can also visualize it. Uh, but the very fact that you mentioned to compartmentalize it and just see, you know, take it 100 meters after 100 meters past that buoys sort of gave me a little bit of uh, control or probably a little bit of semblance that yes it can be done and uh, probably one, one I'm going to work on my compartmentalization and for all the listeners uh, who are tuned in, uh, in you know as, as mentioned just, just understand about the compartmentalization and uh, yes it might be a little overwhelming but a prepared mind and a mind that visualizes is far better than just going straight in.
1: Yeah, the mind has so much power and is so important. Having a positive mindset, not allowing negative thoughts to come in. Frequently, people will be swimming and they'll start to think, oh my gosh, I'm tired. I, I, I'm tired and there's so far to go. And it's very easy for negative thoughts to take root and to just derail everything. And it's very important to have a strategy for that and to just be able to push those aside. And so if I start thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm tired, the first thing I think is, no, you're not. I've only swam like 400 meters. Uh, I, could swim, I could swim four kilometers and be fine. So mm-hmm. it's not fatigue. It's just something else. So let's just keep going. And again, one buoy to one buoy and just keep keep breaking it up into small sections and it's much more manageable.
0: Wow, wow. Uh quickly a question. Have you been to India?
1: I have not. I've been I've been around. I've been <laughs> to Nepal and I've been to Myanmar and uh I've been I've been around the area and uh you know, it's a small I, big
0: country not to be missed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know and I have one of my athletes that I train lives in India so uh, yeah and and go as a place I've really wanted to go uh, for a long time Kerala that whole area so one day one day for sure I love Indian food so I definitely have to get there
0: awesome so so that would be interesting for you to come on to India and do the course here and uh, in your um, in your last two decades you you have done like you know, zillions of uh, triathlons and Ironmans put together. And um, can you explain some of the cool moments that you had in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the, something unexpected happened? How did you deal with them?
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so many uh, going back. I mean, I can remember. I can remember, so my first Ironman, my first Ironman was Ironman Canada, that was back in 2004, Uh. Uh, it was a very challenging day, Uh, it was up in Penticton, Uh, it was, uh, there is no, uh, you cannot reproduce the feeling of finishing your first Ironman, it was it was it was not the day i hoped for I, but again it was one of these things where i didn't know what to expect and i thought i would you know i i was it was unrealistic for me to expect more than i would i actually did and in retrospect i think i did exactly what i was i was supposed to do and uh, but, I, but coming into that last kilometre and coming into the finish is just something you never, ever forget. And I tell people all the time that when they're doing their first Ironman, I tell them how jealous I am of them because they're going to get that experience. And I had that experience. The only the only thing that comes close to that was uh, the first time that I did Kona. Um, so I I uh, did Ironman Canada. I did Ironman uh, Kurt Yeah. And then I didn't do another Ironman for quite a long time. I went back and did an Ironman in 2012. I did Ironman Arizona, but I wasn't really competing. I was just doing it because I hadn't done one in a long time. And then I thought I was done with Ironman. I didn't really like the long distance. I preferred the, the half distance. It was something that I was uh, more comfortable with training. I'm more comfortable with racing. Uh, but then I got a new coach, and my coach... Uh, saw some potential, and he thought that it was worthwhile trying to do another Ironman. I uh, spoke with my family, and and my kids were old enough at that point that training for an Ironman became more realistic. And so, in 2018, I decided to do Ironman Boulder with the idea that I would see how I did. Uh, I was going to compete for the first time. All the other previous times I had raced, I was really just racing to finish, and this was the first time I was going to try and compete thinking that if I did well enough, then I would come back in the fall and and push for a Kona slot. And it turned out that uh, in Boulder that year, in June of 2018, I finished fifth in my age group and actually got a Kona slot, wow. which was a big, sh- it was a huge shock. And so in 2018, I went to Kona for the first time and it was just a spectacular event. That That event is very, very special And finishing in Kona, I'm looking at the picture on my wall right now, (laughs) finishing in Kona for the first time is the only thing that came close to uh, what uh, finishing your first Ironman is. Uh, That was quite uh, a remarkable accomplishment. And um, I guess the other sort of things that I think about in terms of uh, my career doing this sport, uh, I I was a a middle-of-the-pack athlete for a long time. Uh, Really only in 2018 did I start to compete regularly for podium spots and uh even then i was i was on the podium frequently but never higher than you know third maybe but then in 2022 last year for the first time i won my age group and i won my age group uh, at three different races Mm -hmm. Uh, i competed i competed in kona again and, and finished in the top 15%. And then I fin- I did uh, the 70.3 World Championships a month later and finished 15th in my age group. So last year was really a highlight year for me and uh, one that I will not soon forget.
0: So your story is just beginning, isn't it? 20 it, is, you're it is, it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> so yeah, your, your wall is going to be full of a lot of memories uh, that's are for sure going to happen and uh, so 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 your journey through Kona right and uh, did you did you anticipate that happening or how did you so what did what was it that the coach saw and that you did not see in yourself
1: Uh, I did not anticipate it happening. I honestly never thought that I would qualify. uh, Now, now it's a lot easier to qualify this as of this year, it's become a lot easier. So uh, when I was qualifying, there was like two or three slots per age group. So it was Uh a lot more difficult. Uh, And uh, I never thought that I would be able to. Um, And I, uh, you know, partly just because I just wasn't training properly. I also, I didn't have the time. Uh, I'm a full-time physician. I, I, you know, I have three kids. Uh, I've been pretty busy, so it's been hard for me to dedicate the amount of time that I had but I was working with this new coach. I'd been working with him for a year and I don't know what he saw. I think he Mm -hmm. just felt like he saw the way I responded to the training. He saw how dedicated I was to my training. I was very consistent. I didn't miss workouts. And I think he just felt like I was the kind of person that if he gave uh, a, a large volume of training that I would respond well to it and I would be, I would do it all and that I would have a chance. Um, I, I didn't believe it until it happened, and uh, I think that was partly, that's that's an issue that I had to get over. I had to get out of my own way in order to succeed. Wow,
0: well, so you had to get out of your own way. So, yeah, we, we keep hearing that, uh, you know, the obstacle is the way, and sometimes probably we are our own obstacle in this journey, and we need to get out. And that's exactly the reason why, um, you know, getting a great coach is so important, and And you've been an Ironman uh, certified coach yourself, right? So how did this journey into coaching happen? And it was sort of like a role reversal for you. And uh, what did you pick up while you were coaching?
1: So around uh, four years ago, uh, I had... Well, I need to go back a little further, actually, because uh, I, I... I took the triathlon and triathlon, as I said, changed my life and gave me so much. And so very early on, I wanted to try and give back to the sport that uh. was giving me so much. And so I started working with uh, Triathlete and with Inside Triathlon Magazine, which doesn't exist anymore, with Beginner Triathlete, which is a website. And I was uh, contributing as their medical ed- uh, medical writer. And so I was writing articles and uh, helping with answering questions that readers had. And I was uh, really enjoying being able to give back to athletes in that way and helping answer injury questions, questions about supplements, things like that. But about four years ago, or it's almost five years ago now, I realized that uh, I was ready to take that next step, which was I wanted to continue giving back, but I also realized that I was at a place in my life where I was getting close to retirement from medicine. I I was thinking about stepping away from working as a full-time physician. And so I wanted to prepare for that next step of my life by having a uh, something else to do. And uh, I thought that coaching... Triathlon would be something that I would very much enjoy. And so I decided that that was going to be the thing that I was going to pursue. At the same time, I started my podcast, which is the Tri Doc podcast, where I do a a show every couple of weeks where we talk about a medical topic and I interview somebody from Triathlon. And, um, I, I took the coaching courses and I started coaching. And I, I was asked by my mentor, Lance Watson, to join LifeSport Coaching. And I've been with LifeSport now for about two and a half years. And it's been just a terrific experience. I, I have to say that coaching for me has been about as much fun as actually training and participating in triathlon i get so much out of being able to share all of the things that i have learned and being able to take people on this journey i consider myself so honored and privileged when people ask me to help them on their journey and i have worked with athletes who are in their in the brand new coming into their first triathlon. I've worked with athletes who have qualified for 70.3 world championships. And this year for the first time, I have an athlete who qualified for the Ironman world championship. So I've really been with uh, all kinds of different athletes, different ages, uh, men, women, uh, all all across the spectrum in terms of abilities. And it has been one of the best decisions I ever made because I, I, it's just been such a joy.
0: Wow. Also coming in from a perspective of giving back, that's so empowering because uh, that's how, uh, you know, the community grows, the sport grows, the the togetherness grows. And, uh, you know, I feel extremely honored to actually sitting down and talking to you and can realize, you know, the journey that you've gone through and you've been a successful physician and going back, reworking yourself, understanding the coaching world giving back uh, that, that, that's so powerful thanks a ton for whatever uh, you've been uh, doing and uh, uh, since you, you also have this physician angle uh, to the whole sport uh, that makes it uh, you know very unique and very special right uh, so in terms of you know injuries and nutrition you know these are the two aspects we'll touch about uh, a, a little bit uh, so What are some of the best practices or your observations around uh, injury management? Uh, That's the first part. And second part, can you go a little into probably the nutrition side of things, some of the basics that people should definitely do, like the baseline?
1: Sure. Well, let's, let's start first with injuries. I think that the triathletes are horrible. Horrible, and I include myself (laughs) in this group. We are terrible at listening to our own bodies, and we are terrible at resting and not doing things when we shouldn't and and that's why i have a coach and that's why i think everybody should have a coach because they need someone that they can tell hey you know what i did this run today and then mm. my foot was kind of hurting they need somebody to bounce things off of who can say oh that doesn't sound good we need to do this uh, the number one best way to manage injuries is not to get them and that means Having a coach who understands you as an individual, who knows your athletic history, who knows your injury history, and... Having a coach who has some understanding of physiology and injury management. So I think I am very well-placed as somebody who is a physician after all. Uh, I take great pride in the fact that none of my athletes in the last five years, knock on wood, none of them has sustained any kind of overuse injury because I am very, very careful about how I structure their plans. I am very, very careful about making sure that I keep very open communications. I tell them all, I want to know the first sign of anything. And let's face it, running is the place where most injuries occur. So I'm very careful with my athletes to to increase volume very carefully, very slowly. I, I do not introduce speed work until I feel that they've got enough adaptation to, to the volume that they've done. And then when we do speed work, we do so carefully, slowly. And I, I again, I always tell them, I want to know if anything is bothering you, the slightest little little thing I want to know about. And if something comes up, the beauty of triathlon is that it's very easy to switch over to biking and swimming mm-hmm. so that you can avoid running for a little while. And you can make use of those two things to maintain some kind of run fitness so that when you get back to running, you uh, you don't have that injury and you're still in shape. So I, I have really, really worked hard with my athletes to make sure that uh, they don't get injured in the first place. And on the rare occasion that they have an acute injury, which does happen, then we manage that carefully and we make sure that they don't get into trouble uh, as we uh, reintroduce the sport, whatever sport it was that got them hurt. As far as nutrition goes, there's two things about nutrition. Number one, there's, there's day-to-day nutrition, and then there's nutrition in training and racing. So as far as day-to-day nutrition goes, I I tell my, I tell every athlete who asks me about this, I'm a physician, I'm not a dietitian. (laughs) Uh, That being said, I can give basic sort of guidelines about uh, nutrition, but if somebody wants really detailed uh, nutrition advice, they really should speak to a registered dietitian because I think that they can get more information there. However, my overarching philosophy about day-to-day nutrition is that we have to eat healthy. Mm -hmm. We have to eat a uh, balanced diet, and we have to remember that we are eating To fuel ourselves. People who keep themselves at a negative calorie balance in order to, in some misguided, kind of belief that they're going to train to lose weight are only going to punish themselves in not being able to train effectively. Mm. I tell people all the time, you need to take in sufficient calories to be able to train. And if you eat healthy, if you cut out all the garbage, if you don't eat excessive calories, you don't eat excessive amounts of fat, you will lose weight naturally but you shouldn't make it a priority. Exactly. So that's, that's my main philosophy on day-to-day uh, diet. I also tell anybody who will listen, fad diets are not to be entertained when you're training for triathlon. None of this keto stuff, none of this uh, liquid diet, whatever it is. <laughs> you just eat a normal, healthy, balanced diet. Lots of leafy greens, lots of vegetables, lots of fruits and lots of carbohydrates and of course lots of proteins to help with muscle. And then as far as on during training and on in the race, I talk with all my athletes in great detail about developing a nutrition plan that they are going to practice in training because dialing in your nutrition during training is how you then don't have any surprises on race day mm. never want to figure out your nutrition plan on race day you want to have that dialed in weeks and months in advance so that when you get to the venue you know exactly what works for you exactly how many calories you're going to take at exactly which stage of the race and then you're going to execute that plan
0: wow that that's so detailed uh, uh, you know in the last uh, few minutes that you have uh... Uh, you know put together and uh, you also spoke about the diets and a lot of fad around it and something that um, you know I-, I was looking at your website where you have mentioned there's a lot of pseudoscience around the thing and uh, yeah so for all of those who are listening um, you know the, the podcast is uh, uh, that, that Jeff does is the Try Doc podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on all the possible, um, you know, platforms. There, there are more than hundred plus episodes that you can uh, definitely treasure trove of information. Uh, you, you can just go up there and look up. I, I think it's very exhaustive, and it shows how much of uh, a giving person you are, Jeff, uh, for the community. Uh, because it's not easy uh, to put so much together in such a passionate way uh, it, it, it means a lot um, you know truly grateful for whatever you've been doing and also if somebody wants to reach out uh, to you with respect to uh, the coaching uh, is it online do people have to be there is it a combination of both how does it happen
1: yeah, I have, uh, I have many athletes that I coach remotely. I, as I was saying, one of my athletes lives in India. India. Yeah. Uh, I have an athlete in Singapore, another one in Bangkok, and I have many athletes that are in uh, North America, across, spread out across the United States and Canada. But I do have a few athletes that are here in Denver as well. So the athletes that I'm local to, I will get together with, but for the most part, I coach most of my athletes remotely. I meet with them uh, over the internet uh, through uh, different video chat uh, things so that I can see them and we can talk. And I, I communicate with them uh, on a regular basis. I provide them with a coaching plan on a week to week basis, and everybody gets an individualized plan. And the best way to reach out to me is to send me an email they can do that by sending an email to T R I underscore D O C at iCloud.com. Or you can just, uh, go to my website, which is try doc
0: Awesome. So I'm going to drop in the, that in the show notes as well, where you can reach out, uh, um, you know, if you want to step up your game, if you want to lead, um, you know, get into the sport of triathlon, I think, uh, it's going to do wonders uh, for, for all of you. Uh, also, Doc, we are getting into the last uh, few segments. I realized that we are already an hour into our conversation. Uh, it, it just flew by. I, I did not know it was an hour just looking at the clock. Now, uh, uh, so f- from your journey perspective, so, so what else is left for you to, uh, you know, chase and achieve? And that's one which I want to ask. Number two is the power of endurance you know let's uh, i really want you to go a little deep into how endurance especially the endurance that's required uh, to compete or to race in a triathlon helps with the overall wellness quotient or increase in productivity in life so what are those uh, you know benefits that uh, endurance brings in one's life
1: To answer the first part of your question about what's left, uh, I, I to me, every race I do is still a learning experience. Uh, even the races that I won last year, every time I won, I came away with something that I felt like, oh, I learned something today, I'm going to apply that next time, I'm going to try and do better. And I continue to push myself. I, I Triathlon is a sport where you're competing not just against your competitors, but you're competing against yourself. And I get something out of training, I love training, and I love the competitions. So so I will continue to participate as long as I enjoy both of those things. Um, I do have sort of a back of the mind goal of one day making it onto the podium, the top five at a 70.3 world championships. That is quite a stretch goal, but uh, I hope to try for that in the year that I turn 60, because that will be the youngest in the 60 to 64 age group. (laughs) Right now, I'm in the middle of the 55 to 59, which is not a good place to be. So (laughs) we'll see. We'll see if uh, when I turn sixty, if that's a time when I can really dedicate myself to trying to get into that top five of that uh, age group for the seventy point three world championships. That would be that would be a real a real treat for me because I have some very fast friends who have been on that podium, and I'm, wow. I'm quite jealous. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the second part of your question, the benefits of endurance overall, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that. Participating in endurance sport as I have has benefited my health dramatically. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean my physical health, but I mean my mental health. Coming through the pandemic, uh, especially as an emergency physician, dealing with so much stress, dealing with so much moral injury as we did as emergency physicians, being able to have an hour to two hours a day where I could kind of go into my own mind and Run or bike or swim, and just 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 be without having to think of all of those terrible things, and instead just be focusing on the sound of my footsteps uh, hitting the, the the crushed gravel, or the sound of uh, the wind in my ears as I'm riding, and and the the pedal strokes, and it, that that to me is something that I could never uh, could never. Uh, imagine ha- not having had and that continues to be my solace and my source of refuge whenever i'm dealing with stress and whenever there's something going on and 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 the high that i get the emotional high and the endorphin high that i get from endurance sport is something that's irreplaceable so as long as i could continue doing this i will do so because i just get so much enjoyment from it
0: Wow. So uh, first up, I think the, the audacious goal, or the stretch goal, as you mentioned, that you have set yourself for the 60th year. What a phenomenal goal for the 60th year to celebrate. And I'm sure it's going to come true, at least uh, uh, whatever it happens, the journey that you embarked and the stretch goal that you have set for yourself itself in itself is remarkable. And knowing you for whatever little and, um, you know, the, the entire Regime that you have put to yourself, I am hundred percent sure that you are going to be, uh, you know, up there on the podium in the top five uh, for your sixtieth uh, world championship.
1: Well, we'll see. Thanks for your confidence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so quickly uh, again. Uh, so, so what is the number? So, how many uh, races have you participated? I actually don't know. I could tell you I've
1: done eight. I could tell you I've done eight full Ironmans, uh, and as far as seventy point threes go, I I I would have. I mean, I believe it's close to a hundred. I've been doing them for twenty years, and it's pretty close to a hundred. But I'd have to go back, and I have all the medals downstairs, so it would just be a matter of trying to count them all. I guess
0: uh, uh, that yeah. So my god so so, so that's uh, that's exactly how i felt uh, while conversing with you you know it, it was uh, i have still so many questions to ask i can go on and on and on um, i will definitely look forward to catching up uh, with you again and probably i think uh, next year sometime i am um, planning to visit uh, the states and uh, um, if I'm lucky enough, uh, you know, I would uh, 100% would love to uh, meet you because Denver, Colorado is something that, that that's for sure that's there on my list of places to visit.
1: Absolutely. If you're in Denver, you have to let me know. Or if we cross paths at, a, at an event, you'll have to let me know. We'll definitely make it happen.
0: 100% I'm going to uh, do definitely on that. Uh, and uh, thank you so much uh, for coming in. And also, you know, you've been an emergency physician and thank you for your service that you have rendered um, all throughout. I know how tough it is for a physician, um, you know, my family, uh, you know, we had a lot of physicians and uh, I, I understand the the kind of stress that they go through. Uh, truly appreciate, uh, uh, you know, your services for that. and. Uh, the, the coaching angle that you have taken, I, I think it's going to leave the legacy behind uh, your own principles. Uh, uh, people who train under you are going to carry it forward and in this small endeavor of talking to you, I have gained so much and I'm 100% sure people who are going to train with you, uh, they're going to see life from a different perspective altogether.
1: Well, it's very kind of you to say, and it's absolutely my pleasure. I, I'm really excited to hear that triathlon is taking off in the subcontinent. I think it's really wonderful, and I, I hope that we'll see more events. I, I think that uh, India has a huge, of course, population and could benefit from seeing more and more endurance sports. So it would be wonderful to see triathlon take root there
0: can't wait to see you here in goa because uh, it's just amazing how um, you know the iron man is set up here in india especially in goa it's very vibrant you're going to love it can't wait to uh, be here so my last question for the day uh, what is the general piece of advice that you would love to give to uh, you know people who are preparing for their first race
1: keep moving forward That's what I tell everybody. There's going to come a time during your day where you're going to question whether or not you can make it. There's going to come a time, and and that might not come during the race. It might come a day before the race. It might come a week before the race. But whatever happens, just keep moving forward because the finish line is ahead of you. And if at any point you stop to look back, you're looking the wrong way. So just keep moving forward.
0: That's it, folks. So keep moving forward. And the finish line, you're going to savor all the amazing things of how you feel, you know, all the dreams that you had and the rigor that you have put through in finishing the cross line. It just those, you know, few yards away and it's going to be wonderful. As, um, you know, Jeff mentioned about the visualization, if you have missed it, jump back into the early segment of the show where we spoke about that the compartmentalization and uh, you know how to manage your body the you know to reduce risk overuse and the importance of coaching in itself and uh, as mentioned earlier in the show notes there would be somewhere i'm going to drop in the links where you can reach out directly to jeff and uh, embark your own uh, journey so thank you once again Jeff it has been an absolute pleasure and honor catching up with you. Pleasure's all mine Ravi good luck to you. Thank you so much. Thanks uh, so much uh, Jeff it has been an absolute honor.
1: That was great that was a great conversation i really enjoyed it. <laughs>
0: Thank you so I'll watch.
1: Uh, I'll watch the feed to see when it comes out.
0: Yes, I'm gonna put it up very soon, and I'm gonna let you know.
1: Okay. Take care, Ravi.
0: Thank you so much, Ravi. Uh, okay. uh, an amazing evening, and regards to your family.
1: Thank you so much. Take care now.
0: Bye bye.